Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Happy Tuesday for a special edition episode of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. This would be episode number 15, and uh, we are fired up to bring you more and more of this show because it's something that me and, and my co-host and mainest man, Willie Sailor, love to do. We, we just talk about this show all the time, and we're doing a lot of other things, but this has become uh, something of a, I don't know if, um, guilty pleasure is the is the right word because you know there's something. Uh, this we, sound, we, that sounds naughty. Why anything I ever say you make it that way? I mean I just can't say anything without you taking it in that direction. It's not. But what I'm saying is you know it does. <laughs> we do believe it brings some value. So um, it's it's good both ways. So um, I try to get in sentences. Again naughty. See all right. We did not really script that, but Willie is just nasty. Um, Gosh, can't take you anywhere. Um, so, anyways, we we talked. And we told you we were gonna do this um, today, and we decided um, we want to do it every day this week because there's gonna be we're gonna be able to do it every day. We're not gonna be like lacking for content. If anything, it's gonna be us prioritizing what we want to talk about because there is so much to talk about. And um, I was up pretty late last night hammering out these rankings. The post-conference rankings are crazy because essentially every wrestler in the country that was ranked wrestled uh, last weekend except for the handful of Pac-12 guys that are ranked, which is just a handful right now. So um, it, it was some major movement, and um, I kind of wanted to address uh, some some things first before we really dive into what, what went on with, with, the, with the rankings. Um, first, um, uh, I made the point that, and Willie made the point that, um, conferences are, are all log jammed on, on this one weekend, and they should consider moving them out. And uh, all, all the different reasons we won't rehash, but essentially uh, all the other conferences are dwarfed by the Big Tens. And we got some feedback that, oh, well, they were all watchable, this and that. But, uh, which, okay, factually correct. But A, that doesn't mean they weren't completely trumped and overshadowed by the Big Ten. And B, right. B, it is not a reasonable expectation to have a fan sit down for 13, 14 hours a day and watch wrestling. I mean, this is my job is wrestling, okay? This is what I do full-time and is is my passion and what I love to do. And if I didn't work for Flow Wrestling, I would be sitting there watching. And even me, uh, I was like, this. I've been watching too much wrestling today. I haven't spending time with my family. I haven't really talked to my kids hardly at all. Like, this isn't good, and it's my job. And I'm thinking yeah, about well, the casual I mean, fan. Not, they can't sit there all day long, and um, they, we've, well, we've got to Not make... only that, I mean, I don't have any kids to get back to, but uh, still to to consume all the information, it it takes a, over a day. So yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a chore, it's a job, and um, to that point... Yeah, maybe maybe there were uh, conferences, there were tournaments available to watch online or or whatever, but um, it certainly would be more appealing to I think everyone involved with the sport, whether you're a fan or a coach or whatever, um, if you could, if they were on different weekends. Yeah. Right. Don't you think that? Don't you think that? Um, 
it would be cool for Wisconsin the week after um, Big Tens to like all get together and watch ACCs or something. Yeah, or, 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 or vice, vice versa. Vice versa. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I make a, I, I thought of a comparison you can make with golf. Um, and that was, you know, the, the reason golf is um, struggling. Golf? In, yeah, golf. Golf. The, Are you comparing? <laughs> maybe we should get to golf when we talk about the lack of scoring. Maybe that's, <laughs> that's why that's why everybody's trying to score with the least amount of points now. No, we're that's trying try, trying to win with the least amount of points. No, that's not what I'm. That's not my golf point. But the point is, golf. There's like uh, I forget the number. I'm not gonna make one up. But golf courses are closing every single day. Okay, that golf is dying. Sporting goods stores are like getting golf stuff out. Why is that? Well, fewer people are playing. Why are fewer people playing? Because it takes up seven, eight hours of your Saturday. People aren't willing to give up that much time to really anything anymore. So we're fighting for that time. We're we're increasingly a, a culture that doesn't sit down and do anything for a super long extended period of time. That's why golf is dying. People aren't going to be away from their families, from their loved ones, or just like a, away from reality for that long. So it's it's the yeah, same, no, that, it's the same know, thing I, with, with wrestling fans or any sport that you're trying to gr- build fandom. Right. I mean, I said the same thing about baseball. I'm like, I've always been a huge, huge baseball fan and a, and a baseball purist, but um, it, the numbers are declining in baseball, too. And I think it's the greatest, not the greatest sport, but I, I, of the major sports, I just love it. Uh, and But the problem is nobody will sit down and watch a full game. Even myself, uh, who's grown up loving it, in this day and age when we're all – all of us are so busy and our attention span is like a house fly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I think, and this is like radical and it'll never happen, but I think they need to shorten major league games to seven innings because nobody's going to sit there for four hours. No. And, and you know, watch a pitcher um, play with the... The the The, the, ro- the, ro- the rosin bag... Uh, for 12, 20 seconds in between pitches. You know, you have to, but, it, you know, to your point. Yeah. So, uh, essentially, uh, that's that's my point. It's um, we need to spread this out because people are more likely to sit and watch, and they may not watch the whole ACC final, uh, tournament. Maybe they'll watch the finals. They may not watch all EIWAs, but they'll watch the finals. And that's more reasonable when they haven't been sitting down watching wrestling all day anyways. And uh, additionally, let's let's think about who our wrestling fans are. Many of the people that are fans of the sport, they're involved in the sport. It's, there's a high participation rate. A lot of these people are coaching, and if they're a coach, you've already give given up your entire winter coaching. You've been gone. You've been away from your family. Well, that that's a um, and now that's another that's another thing too about uh how the season is, and and if you can consume all the things that you want to consume and. And about ratings and about attendance. Um, well, like I said, I was up, you know, I, I was grinding at the Big Tens. And I, it was only afterwards, 12 o'clock at night, uh, midnight and 1 o'clock in the morning, that I was able to see what happened in New Jersey, what happened in PA, uh, what happened in, at e, EWLs and everything else, uh, Max. Um, so that's that's the, the the situation it is now. But uh, also about attendance is that I mean another thing to consider about um, scheduling is it's tough, man. It's really tough to expect people to travel to their state tournament, travel to Big Tens, travel to ACCs. Two okay, you go to Big Tens and two weeks later. I mean, think about the expense. There was a ton. Of, of fans there from every fan base, from every school. Um, and you think about that, they're traveling, they're taking time off work, they're getting there with transportation of some sort, um, they're paying money for tickets, they're paying money for hotels, and then they're going to have to do it in two weeks. Um, and, and we complain that maybe there's not, an, uh, not enough people butts in the seats at, at duels, regular season duels, and there's not enough um, people at 
the Southern Scuffle or or Midlands mm, or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's the heart of wrestling season, uh, and, and all those all those high school people, you know. You can't expect them to go that. They're, they're watching their kids. They're watching high school. So um, it, it kind of cannibalizes itself. Yeah, yeah. And that's maybe a more another topic for another day. But I just wanted to get that point out there. Uh, just because something is, is watchable doesn't mean it's reasonable. Um, so anyways, um, another thing I wanted to get to, and this is something I've been saying for a long time, and I'll use this platform to expound. And you as a ranker, Willie, we can talk about this uh, a little as well. And I often, someone will give me a record, be like, this guy's 17 and one. This guy's, and and I always say, I don't care about records. Records records are lame. Records give you no information. And people are like, what are you saying? I know. I'm telling you, records, don't don't give me a record. Someone's like, Corey Clark is one and four in his last five big 10 matches. Who cares? I know. He, he wrestled uh, all the best guys. Um, absolutely. So, so don't give me records. And and I made a point. I, I was illustrating someone's losses, and uh, someone w- was checking me on this. Thought you don't care about records. I don't care about records. I care about who you beat and who beat you. That's what matters to me. I told a, a Division One coach last year. He's like, "Where do you have X wrestler ranked?" I was like, "Um," and he was like, "Not that high." He's like sixteen or seventy. He's like, "What?" He's like, "He got." Six at Midlands or whatever he placed. I'm like, and I was like, I was really frank with him. I was like, I, I really just don't care about that. That doesn't matter to me. I was like, it, it's who he beat at Midlands. That's what matters. You could play six and and have awesome wins, or you could play six and you had a medical forfeit and you beat um a, a backup. I mean, there, I, this, I just don't know. So yeah. I, my thing all is, all this applies to all this applies to high school, by the way. A one hundred percent. So I'm like, don't tell me. Um, I actually had an email this year. Um, there was there was a it was a scuffle 197. Okay, Connor Hartman made the finals, as you recall, against uh, Jaden Cox. Okay, and so he technically outplaced Morgan McIntosh by placing second. Morgan got third. They both lost to Jaden. Okay, this guy thought Connor should pass Jaden Cox or pass Morgan McIntosh because he outplaced him. Mm-hmm. They had the identical tournament. Yeah. They beat everyone, and they lost to the same guy. But literally, some people think because he outplaced him, and that's, I know. that's some of it's, the battles you fight it just here. Goes to, it just goes to show that, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else. It just comes with experience when and, and rankings process and understanding the ranking and, process. But um, it, it, people, the general public, uh, they don't understand how rankings work. I mean – well, just I, exactly what you're saying, um, you know. I, I get, and it's a little worse with the with the high school uh, parents and stuff. But um, you know, my kid was 33 and 0 this year with 22 pins, and and um, he should be ranked, and and nobody touched him. And uh, yeah, that's great. But last year at junior duels, he went one and seven. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, here's the thing that nobody wants to. Kids accept. in high school go undefeated. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of undefeated high school wrestlers. I know, but here's the thing that nobody wants to accept or realize, or um, <laughs> frankly, not one match that your son wrestled to me matters unless it's against a ranked or an honorable mention kid. Yeah, I'm so, I'm sorry, it doesn't. Because beating a bunch of guys that nobody ever heard of or, or, or are relevant uh, does not mean anything in the world of rankings. And placings, I mean, people look at the name of the tournament and be like, well, that should get him in. Right. You know, I, I had a guy, um, I had a guy, his kid placed, or, or not his kid, his wrestler, because it was a coach, his kid, his kid placed, um, I don't know, fourth or fifth at at Ironman, and it happens every year. I, I'm not picking on this guy because it happens every year at Ironman. The Ironman's so prestigious, and it happens with Fargo, uh, and it happens with Beast of the East. Happens at NCAA's, Willie. And uh, so, the, so I'll get an email that says, "It is a travesty that this kid took fourth in the toughest tournament in the country, and he's not ranked." Well, here's the problem. He beat no ranked kids. He lost to an unranked kid, and his ledger um, 
uh, going back, you know, through time, uh, he, he has all kinds of unranked losses and he's never beat a ranked human being. And the response is, uh, of course, I put it a lo- uh, more right. delicately than yes, that in the yeah. email. And then the response will be, well, I don't care. That was fourth at Super 32. And that's how it should be. And it's right. It's totally... And I go, so then, but the thing that it does, is it makes me pay attention to it. And that guy that placed fourth at whatever, at Iron Man, um, he took like third with an unranked loss at the Sierra Nevada Classic. And he just took fourth in his state tournament that has 12 divisions uh, and lost to two unranked guys. So don't tell me that um, your guy should be ranked because the name on the tournament. It's about the, it's about the personnel they wrestle. Yeah, one hundred percent. But the, those arguments that we receive, they're totally uh, agenda driven. Their dads, their coaches, their friends of the athletes, etc. Et I literally, I literally, um, after we started this show, uh, we're we're having this show right now, and I received an email that said his kid should be ranked higher because. From the looks of the kids that are ranked above him, he think his kid looks a lot better than him. Yeah. Well, did you consider that? I mean, I, did I not, heard his. I did not consider. I, I hear if, his sock game. I did not was consider if his son was passed the eyeball test more than the others. No. All right. Well, sounds like you don't have a high uh, put a lot of weight on aesthetics. So. Right. Well, well, that's okay. So that's. I mean, that's that's a little bit of the rankings process, but. Christian, the rankings are out. Probably the most important rankings of the year, in my opinion, yeah. um, because this is where the rubber meets the road. And um, two number twos, at least. No, three number twos. Three number two. I mean, you can talk about what you want to talk about with your rankings. This is what I noticed about your rankings, is that three number twos, uh, that's huge news to me. What do you mean um, three number twos? What, Jesse Delgado? Oh, okay. Down. AJ Shop down. David Habit down. Yeah. Rough week. We hardly got to the Edinburgh. Those, the big two, two of the big three losing to uh, Claygon's not unknown, but Ronnie Perry is more or less unknown to me. Um, it, so you wonder, you know, Shop's hurt. Um, that's, that's pretty well understood. He, he suffered an injury at, um, at Midlands and he hadn't been back until conferences so we knew he wasn't right but um so that's kind of sad to see but habit it's kind of well i wonder what i don't even know what's going on there and yeah claygon is certainly a talent um but has been um incredibly inconsistent all year which is why even with a win over the number two guy in the country he's still only ranked like uh 14th so uh, that that kind of speaks to the season he's having in a in a year and at a weight where we're looking we're looking for a hero yeah, speaking of speaking of um, ranking anomalies, uh, you know, emails that we get, you always get those ones too. In high school, you do, man. Bad. I bet you don't get them as much as I do. But you know, um, the number number four guy in the country who has won everything and and placed at everything loses to an unranked guy, mm. and then I make that unranked guy like 18th. Right. And yeah. and and the parent is out of their mind. He just beat. He just be the number four guy. He should be four now. Yeah. No, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, I just – that's funny. I had an email this morning because rankings came out that um, someone who beats someone else – I'm not going to get specific here – should be ahead of him and is preposterous, wholly preposterous. Um, it's, But like we said, it's agenda-driven. They're, they're trying to get what they want as if – I mean they just want to see their, their guy ranked higher because it's – I mean I, I'm not trying to say rankings don't matter and don't really – but I mean it's not going to – Shoot, they don't look at my rankings for NCA seeding. I know that much. Um, I learned that based on the last couple of years watching how they seed. So it's not like they listen to me. So um, it's more just for the the pride of your guy. And I'm I appreciate that they value my rankings enough that they want to see their okay, guys ranked. Outside, there, but... I want to I want to take the rankings and talk about the team race. Yeah. But before we get to that, we we hit some of the number twos. Is there any one single individual who's ranking before we get to the team race? That you want to talk about, or that you're like, this was difficult, or man, do you realize how much he moved up or down, or any which way? Yeah, I think um, 
I think the Corey Clark ranking was pretty tough. Um, but the, the way I rationalize it, because I, I think, and I haven't looked at anyone else's rankings, but I'm just guessing that a lot of people would have Ryan Taylor ahead of him. And I don't think that's right based on the season they've had. And the fact that Corey Clark had an amazing Big Tens, it's kind of like, so last week Corey Clark was ahead of Ryan Taylor by one spot. Um, they both lost to Dardanes, and they both, you know, Clark beat DeJulius twice and Zane Richards, and Taylor beat Goulibon and Sabatello. So they both were excellent and lost the same guy. So I'm like, well, um, Taylor had two really sketchy losses early in the year, and they were early in the year, but that's what separates them right now. So um, mm-hmm. that was one. Um, I, I'm not saying I think Corey Clark's better. Though I think they split last year. They're both obviously real talents. That was a really tough one for me. Um, 65, not so much. But one thing I will say, Isaac Jordan and Nick Salzer was really close. Went with Zeke. Just feel like they both have kind of a sketchy loss with Stafford for Jordan and um, Ethan Ramos for Salzer. But um, I, I just feel like Zeke has some better wins right now. And honestly, that is a huge – that's one where if the NCAA seedings do mirror mine, that's huge because that puts Solzer on the same side as Daringer and gives him bow in the quarters. Whereas, you know, if you're the three seed, you're going to coast to the semi against um, Moreno. So, And Solzer has owned Moreno in there. So it's it's huge, huge. And I'm, I'm excited to see what the NCAA comes up with there as that was – that was a fairly tough call for me. Um, other than that, I mean, there, I, I could go on and on. Um, but, I, yeah, those were the ones that, that I kind of really wrestled with. In the back ten, in some of these weights, I mean, you can go, you can do it all day. And I darn near tortured myself with some of these weights. 149 especially had, um, so the way I do it, uh, I color code it. And if you re- if you get a red color for your text, that means you underperformed. <laughs> it means you un- it means you underperformed. You are a dork, dude. You you wish you did it this way, Willie. It makes it so much easier. But um, if you do, if you get green, that means you overperform. You beat someone ranked higher. If you get red, um, you underperformed. And 149 had 10 red and one green. So pretty much everyone did bad. Everyone underperformed. Um, so that was crazy. Yeah, uh, 149 because. I said this ad nauseum for the last two years. 149 is thin. Dang. It's like there's not, they're not good. Uh, so, there, of course, there's going to be a great the, – the more, um, the more parity you have, the more fluctuation in, in good weekends, bad weekends. Yeah. Overperform, underperform. Yeah. It's because uh, there's nobody – they're not solid enough to be consistent. I mean – Okay. I- Kindig, I don't know what to do with him, and we never, we haven't really gotten him. Um, we well, ha- that, we, hold on, we got, okay. we're gonna hit some of this stuff later. Okay, what were you gonna say? Um, I don't know. I was gonna say, let's get to the team race. I be here's, I find this really, really fun, not funny, intriguing, is that I'm watching Iowa at um, Big Tens, and I'm like. And the people around me, too, were like, man, what's going on? There's a couple really bad performances here. And in my mind, I'm thinking, this is going to have real serious consequences to how we evaluate the team race. And now I talk to you, and you're saying Iowa gets a bump. They got a bump. A couple reasons for that. Um, Corey Clark earning fourth-place points, now earning second-place points. That's a that's a large bump. Josh Jeva, um, from seventh to fifth, that's a big bump, and they really had no other strong variances one way or the other. I mean, Nick Moore. Now, okay, so it, so let me explain my initial reaction. I think this is the fans will understand this if I if I explain it this way. My initial reaction is a couple guys for Iowa kind of fall off, and so your initial reaction is. Wow, this will change up the team race a bit. But as I think about it more, it doesn't much matter if a number 12 falls uh, and now he's ranked 18th because that doesn't mean anything. What matters is a guy going from 10th to 6th, a guy going yeah. from 8 to 4. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's possible for 
I would have a couple bad guy, a couple guys have a bad performance and still elevate or separate from other teams. Precisely, and and on the the other side, you got Levon Mays going from earning fifth place points to seventh, and the big one. The, the killer, in my opinion, what really brought them back was John Eblen's loss to Cody Walters, which brought him from 5th to ninth. Um, just because that bunch of Wilps, Butler, Epperly, Walters is so tight that in, any kind of um, you know a slight setback can lead to... Now, what I will say for Missouri is they've got... Uh, and Iowa. Iowa doesn't have much room to improve, right? Um, but they've got room to come back in my opinion. Um, Clark could finish well outside of second. Jeva could finish well outside of fifth. And I could go on and on. Um, however, John Eblen, someone who's been ranked top five for much of the year, could certainly and will likely outperform his ninth place um, mm-hmm. standing as as the same is true for LaVon Mays, who you know showed he's a little matchup dependent. Uh, if he gets Josh Jeva, we, we probably know how that's going to go, even though Jeva's ranked higher. So um, Missouri has that room to improve, maybe a little more so than Iowa, and that's kind of an obvious statement, but I believe they have it to a, a fairly high degree, unlike maybe Ohio State um, at this point, and maybe Kyle Snyder can bump up a little more. But uh, honestly, as amazing as he is, I just don't know. Uh, he's going to be in one-takedown matches from you know the quarters on probably. And that's that's kind of a scary spot to be in. He's going to have Schiller in the quarters uh, if they end up yeah. the four and the five. So, um, well, the, the interesting thing, the compelling thing about the team race is that um, so after conference tournaments come out and we see these guys and we think um, we can use the conference tournaments as a barometer and and okay, so we really got a picture heading into NCAA's. Um, and the team race is looking like this. The problem with making broad sweeping generalizations like that, and and believe me, I get into it. Like I'm looking at the rankings right now, and I'm like, man, this is coming down to this and this, and and we're projecting and and this stuff. But the problem with that is, do you know how many 1.1 situation, one sequence overtime matches there were to determine all this? Oh yeah, well, I yeah. mean. Our whole um, prospectus heading into NCAAs is based on, uh, like, the finest details <laughs> yeah. of of one of of situations, situational wrestling that that can go the other way. Uh, certainly, certainly, that's true. Um, I, I believe that one hundred percent, and that's why. Yep, I was ranked first, but it's um. It's thin. It's like, what's a sure thing for Iowa? I, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's a sure thing. I know Ohio State's got a sure thing, and and maybe not many. There aren't many yeah. out there. I mean, there. look at look at you know, Josh Jeva. He could be fourth, or he could be rounded twelve, and that is huge. Yeah. That 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 different point differential is huge. So, uh, man, it, it makes it really exciting. Um, so you're saying that Iowa gets a bump based on Jeva and who else? Clark? Clark. Or no? Clark was a big one. Um, and Sorensen kind of uh, er, sort of earned one just with Habit dropping uh, such a bad match. Uh-huh. He's now earning third place instead of fourth despite taking second in this conference. So that's just these little bumps. And those top five bumps are so much bigger than going from 20th to 12th, right? So mm-hmm. it, that's, yep. it's huge. And um, I, I think I think that's that's really what's told the tale, and um, that that's why we've seen those kind of changes, and that's why it's it's like that. Now, it, I still think probably Missouri is is the second most likely team to to contend, even though they're you know six points behind Ohio State. Maybe I'm wrong there, but um, the, it's going to come down to the supporting parts, and and the but really more than anything, the best guys doing their job. To the highest degree, that's what's going to win it. So, um, I'm not going to be shocked to see these top four turned on their head. I don't see anyone outside the top four um, crashing the party. I don't see a Cornell or a Penn State, but um, I did not see Oklahoma State doing what they did last year, and I kind of got, you know, felt foolish. 
But hey, I, yeah, I didn't think Josh yeah. Kendig was going to make the finals. I'm sorry. I don't think that was a radical notion. But those are the kind of things that, that happen every year. Um, so you don't know. You just don't yeah. know. So don't act like you know. Okay, anybody now, else. Uh, coming into the season, I'll tell you, not even coming into the season. When the final bell, when the final whistle blew uh, last year at NCAAs, you started looking ahead and seeing the line, you know, immediately when the NCAA tournament's over, immediately when the World Series or the Super Bowl's over, you think about next year. When NCAAs ended last year, a lot of us, myself included, was like, Ohio State next year. Yep, me too. And and whatever the case, injuries, uh, performances that were less than what we maybe expected, whatever the case was, Coming into the Big Tens, we thought, now they're 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 not in the discussion. Well, they won Big Tens; they tied for it. Um, where do you see them in the team race? Serious threat? Oh yeah, I mean they're a serious threat. I I think. It's... Did you see them as a serious threat on last Wednesday? Hmm. I suppose I did, just because they have some t- some. Uh title contending pop to a degree. I, I don't know. I don't know if I feel more or less confident. I, I feel less confident in Bo. Um, and I feel about the same with Snyder. If Snyder come out and won Big Tens, I'd be like, it's, he's probably the second or third best guy. He can maybe contend for a title. I just feel like his offense is going to hamstring him here, which is crazy to think. But I'm just telling you what I've seen um, from Ohio State. So, yeah, they're a serious threat. But they're – they're going to be relying on their big guys to be really big, and they need guys like Demas and Quartz to 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 step up. And I don't know if they're going to see that. Um, yeah, coming into this year, I did think they were the best. I thought they had the best wrestlers. I, I? I really believed that. And what I didn't count on, and it's not that really any of the Ohio State wrestlers that I thought were going to be good have been as I expected them to be. Um, Hunter Steber doesn't count one way or the other because – He's not Hunter Steber right now, and that's so. But uh, when when you um, determined last year or whenever or the, over the course of the off season, uh, Ohio State winning the title or being in the serious hunt, how much of that was dependent upon guys like Mark Martin and Kenny Courts at all? No, not much. I wasn't counting on much from either of those guys. Maybe Kenny crashes the round of 12 again. Mark Martin's been the same guy for years. Um, so Kenny, no. Kenny's so frustrating, man. Um, so, uh, t- listen, he looks like the best athlete in the building. I mean, and when I say looks, I don't mean from a physical nature. Uh, but when he he can do stuff that's so, so sweet on a wrestling mat. And then I tell you, here a perfect example, uh, a microcosm. First match, he goes out there, he hits this ridiculous um, fireman's. fireman's. And I'm like, man, and he does a bunch of other stuff. And he, man, Kenny Course looks sharp. His next match against somebody that he should compete with, he kind of got just ousted. And so that's it's like night and day. Sometimes he's on, sometimes he's not. And, oh, man, I mean, he could be a big boost if, if he could put a couple matches together in St. Louis. I, I'm not counting on that at all he would i i I know but yeah i i know what you're saying the potential i guess maybe is there although at some point you know it's it needs to be a little more apparent than a couple of flashes for me um so no i was not counting on much of anything from him and another thing about kenny courts i kind of feel for the guy because every time he wrestles a match the commentators are like giving him life advice like uh, it's always like, man, you got to do this for the team. You got to like his efforts always in questions. It uh, uh, makes me a little uncomfortable, like the way people talk about Kenny um, and and I guess his effort being questioned and this and that. It's like you're not his life coach. Just commentate the match. Um, but anyways, um, I, I think that for for Ohio State, not having Hunter be a, a big gun matters but one thing about 149 I'm gonna read you the rankings okay Surtis, how to shell Sorensen habit that's a pretty salty top four but then after that Kindig who we have no idea what the deal with him is Villalonga then Hunter then Pantaleo bites Lenny Richardson I mean these are the guys he's gonna be being so he's likely going to place 
Um, if he mm-hmm. can, if he can be what he was at Big Tens um, in the opening rounds, if he can string that together, he's got a great shot at placing. It is, I cannot stress this enough. This is well, a bad you know, weight. Uh, right, and I, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it either. We said it on previous shows, but um, you know, a, a sixth place or fifth place finish for Hunter Steber would mean worlds of difference to Ohio State. Wait, one more time. Hunter Steber AAing would be a, a huge shot in the arm yeah. to Ohio State, uh, whether they they take um, first or 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 fourth. Yeah, the re- the area that I, this is what I meant what I meant the point I g- meant to get to of where I was technically wrong about Ohio State was not really my Ohio State assessment. It was Iowa. I did not expect Sorensen to be anything close to top five, and he's third, and he's been first. I did not expect Jeva to be top five. So those two spots, um, everywhere else, I felt like roundabout, that's where they'd be. But those two guys, those are huge points. If you put those guys in the round of 12, Ohio State's ranked first right now. Okay, well, we identified – I mean, I kind of named Mark Martin and Kenny Kors as guys who could have contributed. Let's talk about Iowa, the guys that could have contributed. But but right now, I mean, after Big Ten seemed underwhelming. And, and so it's to me, it's Nick Moore and, and Sammy Brooks. Now, Nick Moore is a guy who's kind of been down all year, really. Yeah. Um, and this coming off a season, okay, even even before that, uh, Nick Moore, four-time state champ, dominated his way in Fargo one year. Um, sort of, kind of progressed. Didn't didn't do great at NCAA tournaments. Then last year, I mean, this is a guy who beat Tyler Caldwell. Yeah. Uh, beat Harger regularly. A, beat Zilberberg regularly. Be, right. Beat Harger regularly. This is a guy who. Um, I, I, he I had know. a really good. He there, had an was, excellent season. He was a top five seed last year, I believe. He he was doing really yeah. well. This year, I don't know what's been going on with him. He was at a poor NCAA tournament, and he hasn't picked up the pieces since. He's had some nice moments, some solid wins. I think he actually might have beaten Harger this year. In fact, he did. Um, okay. But, so now, so what I'm saying is, we're talking about Nick Moore, a guy who's beaten um, NCAA finalists. And who was a top five seed last year, and Sammy Brooks, who was the number one seed at the Big Tens, uh, and we're talking about them, both of them, right now looking like their AA opportunity, their point scoring, uh, their ability to score points at NCAs is severely limited. No, not any different than it's been kind of all year. Brooks hasn't been top eight at any point this season. No, um, but okay. And he, but there was there was hope, and yeah. now it's looking like there ain't. Well, they ain't, that ain't happening. Yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, I guess some people. I mean, he still could. I I view his chances as similar as, as I kind of did throughout a lot of the year. That he got a good chance. I mean, he lost to McCutcheon, uh, and he didn't get the opportunity to get that match back. He's beaten McCutcheon before. Um, True. And True. he's been right there with Abner. I don't. I didn't view. I don't view Sammy Brooks any differently at all. I honestly okay. don't. I think he's the exact same that he's been all year and really last year as well. I think he's been um, propped up by Iowa fans um, much of the season, but he's been telling you who he is. Um, just not everyone's listening. He's telling you. Um, he's re- he's <laughs> very he's very good, but he's not elite right now. And he that's well. He was on sitting him. on the bubble, right? What was he? He was tenth or something. He was eleventh last week, and he's eleventh now. Okay, um, so that's round. Of, that's a round of twelve guy. Right. That's a that's one win away from being an All American. Yeah, and and when you lose to Matt McCutcheon, no no knock on Matt McCutcheon, but when you do that, you say, I mean, so it's a referendum when you go into when you go into the conference tournament as a kind of bubble guy, tenth, eleventh, twelfth. You say, let's see if Scotty Brooks can solidify himself as an AA contender. And when you lose to a guy lower than you, and uh, it doesn't help that perception. True. Oh well, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, uh, let's get. Okay, to, so yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Do you want to get to uh, uh, lack of the lack of offense and kind of no who, who does attack? Come on. Hold on. 
Hold on. I okay. want to talk about. Okay. Come you on. don't want to hit Gophers and Missouri? Let's hit them. I mean, we can talk on a brief. I know, I know, you know, it's, we got 20 minutes, but, uh, you know, go for the Minnesota was right in the conversation for a while. Um, just broadly speaking after big tens thoughts on their chances. Um, similar as always, they just need, um, their big guns to be as big as possible across the board because they are not getting support from their, their supporting parts at all. Um, is that the is that the theme this year? Uh, that, uh, that's been their theme. It maybe is like Ohio State fantasy State's football. Theme. The the old fantasy football adage: the the when you draft uh, the studs and scrubs theory. And I'm not saying that anybody is scrubs, but I'm saying that uh, the big gun teams are are supported by their big guns, and the supporting cast doesn't seem. Nobody has a supporting cast that seems to have the potential to be a difference maker at NCAAs. Iowa does. I think that's been the difference for them a, lot, a lot of the I'm, year. Uh, how do you? What? How? We just covered that. Iowa. Iowa has. Um, Nick Moore has. Nick Moore right now looks like he has no chance. Uh, but guys like Brooks. I mean, I just. Well, what I'll say is they have more guys that I feel like are going to contribute meaningful points. Than, Ohio State than looks any like. Team. Ohio State looks like Mark Martin and Kenny Quartz can't help them much. Or Nick Tavanello. Okay, that, so that's my point. They're supporting cast. All the best teams in the country right now don't have supporting cast that say, "Look at this X factor in the team race." We don't have. They don't have it. Okay. And guys like. Guys like uh, hmm, Brett Farr. Uh, He's been nice. He's been Mike Prells. That you. I mean, you real. I, I I don't consider them. I don't consider them like a, a potential shot in the arm. A potential uh, potential points that you didn't think could really happen. Okay. Yeah. Um. Certainly. Okay, so that's so that's Minnesota. How about Missouri? Missouri. What do you take away from Missouri? You know, it was just two weeks ago that Missouri was on cloud nine, and I tried uh, to slow them down then. Okay, and here so I'm trying how, to. What what do you make of Missouri I'm, and their title chances going into St. Louis? Um, you know they. Uh, Miklas had an opportunity to cement himself. He beat Jack Deck out earlier in the year. Was it a fluke? Was it the reality? Is that who Miklas is? And he lost. Uh, John Eblen had a chance to cement himself as a top five guy, and he lost that opportunity. And yeah, Waters and Howdeshell and Cox did their job, and Mellon won an okay weight. Um, but you know, Zach Sinan probably not going to contribute meaningful points. You know, Levon Mays could have um, cemented his top five status and didn't. So, and this is in a weak conference. I mean, compared to the Big Ten, compared to what the other contenders were up against. Um, so for them to drop the ball against a um, a much much weaker conference, which everything is much much weaker than the Big Ten. Um, that that gives you a, it makes you a little nervous, and you got your three big guns. But who's who's the fourth and fifth? I mean, you could see Eblen, Miklas, um, all in the round of twelve. You could see um, even shoot, you know, Mellon. All, all right, these so guys. It's, it's, we, we, I just talked about supporting cast. Yep, same thing for them. Uh, but okay. I think, but I'm I'm saying I'm wrong. Maybe I'm saying maybe there is one team that has a supporting cast that are X factors. Because to me, Nick Moore is not much of an X factor. To me, Brett Farr not much of an X factor. For Missouri, I think they have maybe a lot of. I think like a Willie Miklas is certainly an X factor. Here's the thing with that, because in a way you're right, but in a way your fourth best wrestler can't be an X factor. He's got the fourth okay. best wrestler for yeah. Iowa is like Gilman, right? Okay, okay. and the four, so that's the difference. Where the yep. sixth best wrestler, seventh best wrestler for Iowa is someone a lot better than um, I don't I don't know Zach Sinan. Right. So okay. that that for me is is the huge difference there. So yeah. um, the, he's got to be he's got to be good. Eblen's got to be good. Lavalley. Um, Maze, they've really right. got to. So they've they got to bring it. They, they, they can't be X factors. They have to. They have to be it just to keep pace. Precisely, precisely, okay. precisely that. Um, and okay. they can be. They can be. Those guys are. Those guys are good. Those Maze, Eblen, and Miklas are good, and they can. And, they can be Valley. 
Um, Lavallee's, yeah, I mean, Lavallee's an X-Factor guy. He's not right. a can, I, I, I just don't see him having the offense to – but, you know, 157, what can you say? Um, some of the guys in the top, you know, Ian Miller hasn't had a meaningful win really all year long except for Lavallee. So who knows? Who knows with that? Um, I, okay, I, so let's uh, let's get into the lack of offense because it was all the rage at Big Tens. It's so hot right now talking about no offense. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, it's funny. I, I think this show and, and what I like about this show is we're going to bring the balance, okay? You guys, the fans, the community, you can bring the insanity. You can rush to judgment about one team or another. We're just going to give you the balance. We're going to give you the truth and, and honest work and perspective. And the idea that, um, and this is something we've talked about multiple weeks, that, oh, Iowa doesn't have offense. Um, and we'll say it again. Who has offense? Where is the team of, as someone texted me, swat, uh, full of swashbuckling risk takers out there okay find yeah. them where are they i mean where's yeah. this team that's out there this is where this is where um when ben Askren comes at iowa um i think he's part of a general population i mean there's there's iowa and then there's not iowa and there's iowa fans and there's not iowa fans and everybody that are not iowa fans um gets on Iowa for be for their lack of offense. <laughs> Who is offensive? Who takes shots? Yeah. 174 was Name a team that takes shots. I mean, you know, I, I would say Minnesota maybe, just because with a couple guys, Dardanes, Dardanes, Schiller, I think take a lot of shots. And that's three guys. Um, and Farr is very active. But, you know. Let me, let me tell you a funny, funny anecdote. Uh, so I'm doing I'm doing match notes almost like a blog for uh, the semifinals, and I'm sitting with Derek Fix, and um, I'm I'm really grinding away, banging away. I mean I'm tuned in. I am I am laser focused when I'm doing these semifinal notes. You know Thomas Gilman takes a shot. There's blocks off. Uh, you know Conaway blocks off. A scramble ensues. Uh, out of bounds at 45 seconds. I mean, I'm really dialed right. in, right? Yes. So we hit 174, and um, I turn around to Derek Fix, and I just start shooting the breeze with him. And he's like, uh, what, don't you like 174? You know, don't leave, aren't you excited about these matches? How come, how come now you're turning around? I said, Derek, I'll start typing in, in overtime because nothing's going to happen. And he said, yeah, you got a point. And that's exactly what happened. And you know what's funny? It's like, and maybe we're partly to blame as Flow Wrestling for, for propping up this 174-pound weight class. Because the other week, people were like, you're not going to talk 174? I'm like, why would we talk about that? These guys, and, and Robert Kokesh maybe is an exception sometimes, but they, they don't shoot. They don't take risks it's a, it's a they're boring they don't produce exciting matches they are they're just very good wrestlers who don't score against each other um you know mike evans gets third without a takedown um it, it big tens so it's like i don't know um yeah you know uh, here's another thing I, I found interesting so evans and evans and storley wrestled for third and what was uh you know an uninteresting match until until ot and then it, it, you know, it's tense, it's pressure packed, and so there was a, a sort of kind of questionable call or two, and um, but, but I think it was scored right. But um, so Storley, Evans gets his hand raised, and Storley walks off the mat, and he's he's mad, and you can read his lips, and he says something like BS, and then but what you can make out completely clear is he's. He said every time, every single time. Yeah. And no offense to Storley, but do something to make it not every single time. Take a shot. Take a risk. Go out there to win. I mean, when Storley, and just since we're talking about Storley, he is one, I don't know how to describe, I don't want to say it's scrambling, but when he makes things happen and gets flurries, his hips are just ridiculous. ridiculous. I know. I'm That's like, the frustrating just go out part and, is that, and do okay, something. Maybe not, maybe not Evans because he doesn't. 
I, I don't know. But Storley, uh, Storley is so dang good in every position and every situation. But yet, I, I guess it's I guess it's a fear to give up a score uh, that prevents him from taking risks. Um, and man, we really we really use the term taking risks lately, don't we? Yeah. I mean, that's if you don't, since when do we use that term? Uh, go out there and make things happen. It's like, it's like, um, I always said with Jordan Oliver, he wrestled close matches with like Chamberlain and and um, go out there and let it fly because you might get taken down, but if you if you initiate action. Three times out of four, you're going to be the guy that comes out on top, and 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 three times out of four means you're winning, and and that's what I feel about Logan Storley. Like I just think he's superior uh, when he lets it fly. That yeah, you might give up a score, but if you make it happen four times, you're gonna three of the times you're gonna win that position. So so let it fly, man. Yeah, and it, everyone talks about letting it fly. Coaches talk about. Letting it fly, this and that. And I saw a tweet that um, how all these athletes and coaches are just giving us lip service and they talk about attacking constantly. And even Tomasello said, I attacked for, you know, he said something like, I, I attacked for seven minutes on the Big Ten uh, network after he won. I'm like, just everyone is trying to tell us this, that this is happening, and coaches talk yeah. about it all the time. And it's it's not true. Fine. They're not attacking. They're, it's not happening. And coaches say it's what they want, but – can't you make your – you can't take the shot for him, but you got to – what are we doing in these practices that we're not instilling a true attacking mentality with the wrestlers? Well, okay, look, Jason Sertis <laughs> – Jason Sertis is not an offensive dynamo. He won a national title, um, I think, was it three consecutive – like breakers. nip and tuck affair, yeah. Were, were, all, were they all tiebreakers? Well, it's o- overtime, I believe. I don't. Th- I don't think he won them in regulation. Uh, I mean, he. Yeah. You know, him and Sorensen, ultra close, and no real, no risks whatsoever. Uh, Mike Evans. Mike Evans took third in the Big Ten in a loaded Big Ten weight with no takedowns. Um, you have to ask why, and and to me, I think it's. I think it's obvious. I think there's two reasons. Two, two huge reasons. Will you got quiet all of a sudden? For the record, oh. you doing something different? No, I'm talking to you. All right, keep going. Uh, I think there's there two huge, two huge reasons. One, no one shoots because they're scared of being countered. We're living in an age of funk and leg passes and all kinds of stuff. But instead of so why don't college coaches focus on finishing and preventing being countered and, and, and finishing cleanly and setting up your shots so they are clean? Uh, no one knows how to finish. So um, when, when people don't attack, I feel like, because when they do attack, it ends up being a 50-50 proposition. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so work on those things, number one. Number two... I think it's clear as day that there's a lack of offense and a lack of scoring because officials don't have a backbone. Call a freaking stalling in the first or second period. Yeah. Call it. Damn. It's 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 ridiculous and we got to keep talking about it as long as it's a problem. And I don't feel like we're being redundant and and the way the officials Okay, you've been winning the whole match, and you've been running for four minutes. Yes, but here, let's wait till the last twenty seconds to get give that stall warning, and then that way. Oh, I called stalling. I tried to do something. No, you didn't do anything. You just reinforce that this is how the game is played, and you call stalling late when it doesn't matter. You don't call it at a meaningful time, and it's it's sad that Josh Jeva Josh Jeva got hit with stalling one minute into the match against Nick Dardanes. One minute in. And that was like the greatest thing that I saw all weekend. Yeah. Cole stalling early. There's one. There's a place where Fila gets it right. I mean, yeah. if nobody scores in the first minute, they are doing things to encourage action. Yeah. And who cares? Folk style doesn't. Folk style doesn't. Folk style lets you play patty cake for seven minutes or more. Yeah. It's like, no, 
you just don't see if it's even um, or even-ish, close, even if it's 60-40, hand fighting for three minutes, no one no one gets hit for stalling. I mean, uh, there should not be really an overtime match because overtime Tell me early. why. Tell me why um, Sorensen and Sertis aren't hit for double stalling in the first period. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Call they... it. Call it. Make something happen. Initiate something. Yeah, and, th- and that's what Fila does when with their um, warnings and shock. Oh, marks. they they tell they tell the officials it is a, a not even an unspoken rule. It is a Written. tangible rule that after one minute, if there is no scoring, somebody is getting a passivity warning. And it's great, and it's great, and we I think we got to get. You don't want it to be arbitrary. You don't want a referee to just pick somebody out of the clear blue sky. Make something happen. Yeah. Take a shot. Maybe after one minute uh, in the official's head, the, the shot attempts is 1-0 Sertzis, so Sorensen gets a warning. And if you don't like it, too bad. Then you should have took a shot. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And um, I think, man, I feel like the solutions are, are pretty simple. And I just want to—I want to see it happen. I don't know if it's the finishing, I, I, or or is it they're so not used to being in on the legs that <laughs> there's not that familiarity there anymore. You're not used to getting to the legs frequently, so you well, I mean, it comes—it comes down to me. And everybody says to me, everybody says to me, Willie, why, why do you like freestyle so much? This is so, this is for years. Why do you like freestyle so much? There's so many. Um, points that don't translate to folk style and my response to that is if you're given if if i take a shot on you christian and you expose my back and you lead 2-0 and yet uh we go neutral and there was no real folk style point scored what that says to me the reason i love that is is because it encourages good technique if I take a shot and you expose me and I don't get the takedown, that's because I had poor finishing technique. And that is exactly the problem we're seeing in folk style college today is that people don't take shots because they get out scrambled or they don't finish or stalemated or potentially dangerous. The risk doesn't outweigh the reward because your technique on your finishes is poor. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And I don't care. I don't care if people are going to say to me, well, Willie, are you telling me that Tom Brands doesn't know how to coach finishing technique? Uh, Penn State doesn't know how to coach finishing technique. Ohio State doesn't know how to teach their wrestlers how to finish a shot without uh, putting themselves at risk. I don't care. I'm an idiot behind a desk on a microphone, and, and, and that guy is Tom Brands. But well, I'll say it. Something's wrong because nobody's taking shots and nobody's finishing. Yeah, and it's not one team or any. It's it's uh, it, it's it's kind of across the board that that this is what we're seeing. So, I I feel like, you know, I copied some. Someone posted some st- the rules of stalling, and I was just reading those. I was like, well, we see this all the time. Continually backing away and edge wrestling. Did I don't know if I got to bring this up yesterday. Um, at EIWAs, I'm. It's getting comical. Uh, during the EIWA finals, how many guys just kick, 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 get to the edge of the mat when a guy gets on the leg? And then now it's like this new thing um, where, okay, not only do you have to try to finish, but you have you to worry talk- about inbounds. Are you talking finish. about neutral? Yeah, neutral. Neutral. Sorry if I didn't say that. Neutral, you get in on the leg, guy can kick, kick, kick to get to the out of bounds, and then, okay, then they'll fight it there because it's so, so hard to finish. And it just, <laughs> right, yeah. it's ridiculous. The, the safety that out of bounds creates. And it did this entire just go if you go and watch the EIWA finals, watch the Beckman, Beckman, Beckman Devoy, watch yeah. Dean Brown. Well, I mean, these guys are doing B lines to the boundary. And why? Oh my God. No, no uh, Mike McMahon is my homeboy, but Krell's in overtime got to rear standing on him from neutral, got to rear standing, and Mike McMullen. Did the forty-yard dash to the edge and then Granby'd, and how it wasn't a flea. Uh, oh my goodness! Here's I don't. Here's the I letter. Here's the letter of the law. A wrestle should be called for stalling if kicking out from a lower leg hold when this action results in the def- defending wrestler going out of the wrestling area. I mean, this is 
to a T what was happening at EIWAs. We could do 76, you make the calls, from one match, um, just from this one stalling rule and it not being called. And the guys are going to do it as long as you allow it. So, yeah, officials, you're just straight up dropping the ball, not following the letter of the law they here. The officials and err on the side of calling stalling. Err on that side. Don't err on the side of – because you can err one way or the other, and they're only erring one way. So yeah. err on the other side um, and and fix our sport. And, yeah, we'll put it on everybody every time. I'm putting it on the wrestlers. I'm putting it on the coaches. I'm putting it on the officials. And you all get equal blame. But right now, officials, you're the one dropping the ball. Willie, it's 10.59. We, we just plowed through this hour. Um, okay, so we didn't get to a couple things. I'm assuming that my compadre, Christian, we will talk about uh, on tomorrow's show um, two things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one thing for sure, enigmas. Uh, we have a whole list of enigmas, what to make of them, who is... Nick Moore, who are the Dardanes? What is the shop? What does shop's loss and have its loss uh, mean? Kyle Langendurfer is a guy that uh, I don't. I want to talk about yeah. uh, jo- Josh Kindig. What's his status? Mitchell Minotti, a uh, uh, semifinalist last year. Um, so those are those are guys we're going to talk about and, and try to come up with some answers for uh, uh, among other things Christian so we'll get to Enigmas we'll, we'll have a lot of stuff coming out wild cards I believe coming out today um, so we've got a lot we thank you for tuning in so tomorrow same time 9 a.m. central we'll see you back here thanks guys